All right, everybody, let's grab a seat. Let's head back and find a seat, and let's get our Bibles open and ready for today. Who's ready for the Word of the God? Ready for the Word of the Lord? Amen. We're going to be uh, going to invite you to open back to the Old Testament to Second Kings today. I'm going to be looking at a story in Second Kings. So I'll give you a minute to get back to there. Open up your Bibles, your smartphones, and um, these verses, most of these verses should be on the screen for today as well for you to follow along if you don't have anything. It is really, really good to see you guys. You know, when the weather's like this, you just sometimes you kind of wonder, will people get out or are you tired of being stuck in or what have you? But you guys are out and about and ready to ready to be here. So it's it's awesome. So good to see you. Haley and I love you guys, pray for you all the time and so thankful to see you today and excited about this new year and about what God has in store. And please don't forget next Sunday morning, last Sunday of January the 31st, as we will have, as Lindsay said, our heart for the house. It's going to be a really, really exciting day uh, to share about this new year and different things the Lord has laid on our hearts for our church. All right, everybody at 2 Kings 7. Okay, let me, let's look at verse 3 and 4. It says this, it says, now, There were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, it says we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better, but if they kill us, we would have died anyways. Say this with me. Say, go back, stay put, or go forward. Let's pray. God, thank you for your inspirational word, words of life. Today I ask that you would truly speak to us your heart, That God, as we would sit here and listen and open our life up to you, you have direction for us. You have answers for us. Because you love us and you have a desire to truly have relationship with us that is not entangled in the web of religion and trying to always do the right things. But it's based on grace, through faith, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Help us today where we're at. Help us today to see where you want to take our life this year. And I ask that you would help me, God, to just speak words of help, words of hope, words of heaven right here on earth. We love you and we're thankful for you for Jesus, for the church. We give you our time and our attention right now. In the name of Jesus. Everybody that's in that groove, say amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about this subject called A New Year, Move Forward. Move Forward. And by the way, worship team, man, just awesome, by the way. Just awesome. Give them a hand. 
give them a hand, I tell you. I felt like I could have just carried on with that this morning and just kind of skipped this. I, I, I was torn, really was torn. Um, there will be a day, though, there will come some moments, I'll tell you this, there will come moments when we will forgo the kind of church traditional worship, praise, preach, dismiss. There will come, I feel that, I feel that, that God is just going to really lift us and move us. Not every, not every, not 52 weeks out of the year, but there will be some seasonal times that the Lord is really going to just kind of do that. And it's about drawing us to Him. It's about moving us closer into Him and allowing us to get the perspective that He's bigger he really is bigger than any problem we have, any mountain that's in our life, any issue that we contend with. He is bigger than any cantankerous spouse. He's bigger than any rebellious child. He's bigger than any broke checkbook. He's bigger than any ailing physical problem you and I might have because in Him there is hope. In Him there is healing. In Him there is life. In Him there is answer. Amen. Praise and worship. It creates that opportunity for us to kind of just put everything in perspective and put it all on the cross, amen? Well, today we're talking about moving forward, and let me draw your attention to Isaiah 43. It's on the screen here. It says this, God spoke through Isaiah, and he told him to say this. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. Can you say new thing? Now it shall spring forth. Shall, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That word new literally means this, fresh of this year. So you can read it this way. God says, I will do a fresh thing in your life this year. Then he follows it up. Do you not perceive it? Shall you not know it? And I believe most of the things that God wants to do in our life, the fresh things of his of his plan for us this year is contingent upon us. Do we perceive it? Do we acknowledge it? Do we understand first and foremost that God is alive and that he really does want to do a fresh thing in our life this year? Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this, been kind of laying some foundational things for the year. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about pursuing God with passion and about making his house, church, priority in our life not just kind of secondary or if we feel like it occasionally. And we, last week we talked about fasting and how fasting prepares us to move forward. And today we're going to actually look at this topic right here about choosing to move forward. Choosing to move forward. Look at this statement on the screen. Moving forward into the fresh things of God requires a bold choice on our part. Moving forward into the fresh things of God requires a bold choice on our part. And I really do believe that God has some fresh things that he wants to do in each of our lives throughout our entire church this year. But it's up to us to choose to move forward with God's thing or stay stuck in our thing. It's a choice. A bold choice is required. It was the 1932 World Series. It was the Chicago Cubs against the New York Yankees. I'm sorry if you're not a fan of either one or if you're a fan of one or the other. You probably know the story. The series was tied one-to-one. -one. It was tied in this third game. It was the top of the fourth, and it was tied four-to-four. -four. 
Babe Ruth steps into the batter's box. He was facing a famous, most winningest pitcher of Chicago Cubs history of all time. And Babe's in the batter's box, ready. Pitch comes. <laughs> Strike one. Stands there again. Pitch comes. <laughs> Strike two. Well, by this time, all the fans of Chicago, they're at Wrigley Field, they're all heckling the babe. They're all giving him the what for and all that stuff. And he, he does something. He steps out of the batter's box. He takes a moment. And then he does something odd. He takes his bat and he points to center field. Two strikes, he points to center field. Steps back into the batter's box. Gets ready. Here comes the pitch. Crack of the bat. The ball goes flying 440 feet center field over the fence. Home run! Home run! Home run! The Yankees go up to win. They win that game, but they also go on to win, I'm sorry, Jeremy, the 1932 World Series. The babe did, a, he made a bold choice in order to make a bold move that day. He had no idea what the outcome was going to be other than in his mind he was saying, look, I'm telling you, I'm calling my shot. I know I got two strikes against me, but I'm in the batter's box, and I'm not going to go down looking. I'm either I'm going to swing and I'm going to either miss or I'm swing and I'm going to hit, but where I'm intending to hit is 440 feet over the center field fence, and, and that's history. These four lepers in this story in 2 Kings, they faced kind of a similar predicament. The odds were stacked against them. See, kind of the background story to this is they were there in Samaria, and they were besieged. They had been taken hostage, so to speak, by the Aramean army. And as a result, there was a big famine in the land, and so that drove up the prices of a lot of stuff. It said that uh, a donkey's head, they sold this stuff for some reason, a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver in this famine. And believe it or not, it said they even sold a cup of dove's dung. Yeah, you heard me right, dung. A cup of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. <laughs> Aren't you glad gas has dropped? You don't have to go out and buy some doves dung. <laughs> but they were in this odd place. They were, they were, the odds were stacked against them. They had two strikes. And so this entire population of God's people, they were perplexed and plagued by this famine, and they were, they were held hostage in their own country, and they, things were out of price. Things were out of sorts. The prices were high. Everybody was gouging everybody for everything. Everything was against them. Things were not going the way they should go. And they were desperate. They needed something to change. They were looking for something new, something fresh. They we're at the point of desperation. Something's got to give. And so God speaks to the prophet Elisha. Look at these verses here, verses 1 and 2. They'll be on the screen. Elisha replied, and he said this. He said, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will only cost one piece of silver. 
And ten quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. And the officer who was assisting the king said to Elisha, the man of God, that he said, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. And Elisha replied, well, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. In other words, in this this great dire need of desperation of something greatly needing to change, a fresh thing needed to happen, God spoke to Elisha and he spoke to the people and he said, this is what God says, things are about to change. Things are about to shift. Your bad is about to be turned into good. Your injustice is about to be turned overturned and justice is about to prevail. Things are, are about to turn around. Your, your ugly is going to be made into pretty. Your bad is going to be turned into good. In other words, that the things are changing. God spoke through Elisha, and he told him this is what's going to happen. Well, and then it picks up with these four lepers. They're outside the city gate. And just a quick rehearsal of what they talked about. They said, look, if we, if we, we understand what's going on, we hear what God is saying, but here's the deal. If we go back into the famine city, we're going to die. If we stay where we are, if we stay put, we're going to die. They said, we might as well go over to the Aramean army and humble ourselves. If they allow us to live, things are going to be better for us. But if they kill us, hey, we were going to die anyways. In other words, we've got nothing to lose. We've got nothing to lose. And they made a bold choice to change their life. Made a bold choice in order to move forward, even without knowing how the outcome would be. They didn't know how it was going to turn out. And Romans 8, 28 is, is a scripture in the middle of the, in the New Testament that, that I cling to a lot that helps make sense of a whole lot of stuff in this world. And look at it on the screen. It says this. It says, and we know. Can you say we know? It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together. Can you say everything? Everything to work together for what? For the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. In other words, Love God and live for Him. Love God and live for Him. Love God and live for Him. And it says the confidence in this passage is that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and who live for Him. Who love Him and who live for Him. God has a way to turn things around and cause everything to work together for the good. And certainly, that is what was happening in this story. That is what was about to take place in this story, is that God promised through his word, he spoke through Elisha, and he said, things are bad, you're in need, everything is, is torn apart, your life is upside down, stuff is not working out the way it should. And he says, look, I want you to have some hope here, and I'm going to bring you help here, because I want you to know that heaven is on your side and that I'm about to turn things around for you. But you have to make a choice. You're either going to stay where you are, you're either going to go back, or you're going to make a bold choice to move forward when you don't even know 
what the outcome is going to be like. Because even though God causes everything to work together for the good, we still are in the dark. We only see dimly of how it really God is going to do that. We don't truly fully know how he's going to work it all out. We don't really understand how he's going to take this bad relationship and turn it around for good. He, I don't really understand how he's going to help me get out of my mess that I'm in. I don't know how he's going to set me free from my chains. I don't get how he's going to completely deliver me. I don't understand really, God, how you, what your plan is and how you're going to work all this mess out in my life. But I love you, and I want to live for you, so therefore your word is true that you know how to cause everything to work together for good, even when I don't. It's my job to love you and to live for you, and it's your job to cause things to work together for good. But it requires a bold choice if we're going to move forward. There's a bold choice. We're here today because we have choices we make. And we have choices that lay out in front of us as to what we're going to do with our life. Everybody awake so far? And sometimes we want to know, before we move forward, we want to know, okay, how's it going to work out? God, if you'll just tell me this is what you're going to do and this is how you're going to do it, then okay, I'll get on board with you on that whole thing. God, if you'll just come on, help a brother out and share with a sister how you gonna do your will. Then okay, I'll go along with you then. I'll jump on board. I'll, I'll just say I honor you and obey you and trust you if you'll just go ahead and let me in on the inside. And, and it, for, folks, faith does not work that way. Faith works by putting faith in God's word that what he says is true. And what he says he's going to do, he's going to do it. But he does not really tell us exactly how he's going to do it. I mean, he told Elisha to say all these things, that the things were going to change. But he didn't really say how it was going to happen. And here we find out he uses four people who were considered the outcast of society. Four people who are not allowed to be around everybody else because of their condition. Four people who are the most unlikeliest of candidates for God to use, but come on somebody, God specializes in, uses the, in using the weak to confound the strong. Right? God specializes in using the opposite, so to speak, in order to accomplish His great plan. But it requires a bold choice. We can either go back. Think about your life today. You can either go back. And I know if we're, if we're not careful, we can get caught in the comfortability of the thought of going back all oh, the way it used to be. Or if we stay put, we're no better off. I'm just going to forget it. I'm just out of gas. I'm done. Just going to stay right here and wait my days and wait for my time to come. Or, you know what? I really don't have anything to lose. Do I really want my life to be changed? Do I really want my situations to turn around? Do I really want my marriage to be better? Do I really want my kids to love you, God? Do I really want to see things work out the right way? 
well, I don't have anything to lose. I can't go back because, hey, it's not worth going back. If I go back, I'm just going to be involved in the same old, same old. If I go back, then, man, I'm not gaining any ground. I'm just going back to old habits and old ways and old mindsets and old things. And it's just, that didn't do me any good back then. And look where it's got me now here in the present. I'm stuck right here. I'm staying put. If I stay put, then, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to dive quickly. Things are going to go downhill quick. Things are going to blow up fast. Stuff's just going to just completely deteriorate all around me if I stay where I'm at. But I don't really have anything to lose. I can't go back, and I shouldn't stay put, so I need to do something. What shall I do? I'll go forward. It makes no sense to move forward because I don't know how it's going to work out. God, it makes no sense for me to put my hands in your hands. It makes no sense for me to put my trust in you. It makes no sense for me to put all of this in you because I don't know how it all is going to pan out. I don't know how it all is going to work out, but if I go back, that's not good. If I stay here, that's not good. I don't really have anything to lose. A bold choice. Moving forward requires a bold choice on our part. And as a result, these four guys called their shot. They were two strikes down, but they stepped back into the batter's box and they pointed their bat and they said, that's where we're going. We're calling our shot. And as a result, their life changed. And not only their life, but everybody's life there in Samaria had the same opportunity to change. See, four things happened as a result of them making a bold choice to move forward. The first thing that happened is this. When they said, hey, we're going to move forward. We're going to make a bold choice and make a bold move. And here's what happened in in the first thing that took place. God moved on their behalf. You see, when you and I decide to move forward with God, When we decide to move forward, not go back, not stay put, not be stubborn and not be stupid and not stay where we are and and not try to play hide and seek by going back, but we choose to go forward, God will begin to move on your behalf. Not a minute earlier. You see, his movement is dependent upon your decision to go forward. God already knows what he's going to do. He knows how he's going to do it. He knows how he's going to handle it. He knows how he's going to take the pressure off. He knows how he's going to set you free. He knows how he's going to love you and provide for you. He knows how he's going to move people into your life that you need. He knows how he's going to bring things together and get you where you need to be, with whom you need to be, and how you need to be. But it's all contingent upon your choice. When you decide if to go back to stay put or to move forward, then God's hands become untied. Because God, in his infinite wisdom, already knows how his plan is going to work out. But we have to choose to make a bold choice to move forward. And if we will make that choice to move forward, even when we don't know how it all is going to happen... God is guaranteeing us that he will move on our behalf. He moved on their behalf. What did he do? He, took, he, he, he created this confusion with the Aramean military. Made them hear things, sense things, and feel things. Basically made them think crazy stuff. And they ended up in their, in their fear, leaving everything. Their food, their clothing, their shelter, their horses. Leaving everything and running for their lives. In other words, God eliminated the obstacle. God destroyed the stronghold. 
You see, we have obstacles in our life and we have strongholds in our life. But the way those things get eliminated and moved and brought lower is when you and I choose to make that bold choice to move forward. See, some of us have some things we, we haven't gotten over yet. There's some stuff that's going on in our life that we just haven't really gotten over yet that still plagues us, that still weighs on us, that old habits still creep up. Old patterns are still sticking around. Memories of bad experiences still hover in our thoughts. And then they oftentimes come out through our relationships and in our actions and behavior. But God says, look, I've got a fresh thing for your life this year that I want to do. But you have to make a bold choice to move forward, even when you really don't understand how it's going to really work out. Because, see, here's the deal. If God really showed us how, a couple things would probably happen. One, we get so crazy and full of energy that we would just shoot past his plan of time and get, a, get ahead of him, or we would so freak out and be like, that is not the way I think it should work out, so I ain't going. I'm not moving. See, he knows what to do and how to do it, and he's good enough to know, I don't tell you everything that you need to know up front. but the choice is yours. If you choose to move forward, God's saying, I guarantee you, I will move on your behalf. You see, our prayer has been, God, do this, move here, be involved in this, make this happen. And God is saying, look, I'm ready. I've got the green light. But here's the thing, I can't hit go until you let me go in your life. Till you let me loose in your life. It's like, I know you've got this thought, this ideology, this human philosophy as to how your life should be shaped and formed and forged and how all these things should work out. But he said, listen to me. I'm not involved in any of those equations. You're trying to put me there, but here's the deal. I am not there. I will move on your behalf when you choose to just trust me and move forward with me. That's how I move. That's how I work. That's how I roll, if you want to put it down like that. That's how I come about in your life. And so that's the first thing that happened. God moved on their behalf when they chose to move forward. The second result we see as a result of making the bold choice to move forward is this. Is that they then... They, the four lepers, they moved into the fresh things of God. See, the whole time, what God says I've got for you, what God says I've got this new thing, this fresh thing that I want to bring into your life and make it spring up in your life, it doesn't happen until we first of all choose to move forward with him. And we, when we do, he moves on our behalf and he opens up the doorway for you and I to step into, move into the fresh things that he has for our life. God has a fresh word.